This is Noah Kadner, and you're listening to the Virtual Production Podcast. Tim Moore is a three-time Emmy Award-winning director and founder of Diamond View, a creative video agency headquartered in Florida. In 2021, Moore co-founded View Technologies, a virtual studio network with LED volumes which can work in tandem over the internet. He's also the author of Sold on Purpose, a comprehensive guide to purpose-driven marketing and the founder of the Tampa Foundation, a nonprofit focused on inspiring communities through positive public messaging. My career really started about 18 years ago. I went on a missions trip with my church, which at the time I had no idea of what a missions trip actually entailed. So I show up to the airport and I see bags of water and medical supplies and clothes. And we were going to the Dominican Republic and I got handed a camera bag. They said, hey, you're going to be the guy that records the trip. And, you know, I told them I had no training in this, never actually used a big camera before. And they said, oh, it's fine. Whatever you point at goes in and whatever goes in comes back. So just, you know, record what you can on the trip. And that was really my first experience with cameras. I got this third world education on going around and shooting stories. And I fell in love with it because what I saw out there at the age of 15 was a completely different world. I mean, nothing could prepare you for some of the poverty that we had sold. And I remember taking that video back and I had the opportunity to edit it too. And it was the coolest thing to see the crowd watch it. I was expecting that at the end of this video, people would applaud and they would see the need out there. And when the video ended, there was no applause. It was dead quiet. And the lights came back up and I realized that people were actually tearing up. They were crying over watching this. And I saw as people were pulling out their wallets and they were giving money to people they never met in a country they'd never been to for a cause that two minutes ago, no one in that room even knew about. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. That's the kind of work that I want to do. Drawing on the deep inspiration he felt from the experience, Moore sought out a career path that would allow him to continue to use video in meaningful ways. It was a slow start because nobody was in the business of buying videos that helped other people. You know, you have the commercial world and then you have the film world. And being young, just getting into either of those industries was a tough task. And so I just worked my way through doing weddings to start. I started my business when I was 18 and didn't have a camera for the first year. I was borrowing my buddies at the time. And my girlfriend bought me a camera after a year. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me because then I could shoot every single day. Shooting weddings was an excellent way for Moore to learn the importance of preparation in a scenario in which getting a second take was not an option. There's so much pressure on if your battery goes out or the camera stops recording, like it is the end of the world. So I got my first opportunity in the commercial world at about year two, and that changed everything because I realized, wow, there's an opportunity to be creative and it's a different kind of pressure. The incentives a lot higher and it really scaled the business because I took what I had learned in weddings and I applied it to I was doing car dealerships at first, oh, uh, local car dealerships, and then I got into doing bigger businesses. And I went from doing local YMCA's to doing YUSA, which is the national brand. And then I got into sports. And that, again, was a big turn. We got the Atlanta Braves account. So there was never a clear trajectory of, okay, here's our plans. Every time we would get into a new sector of the video industry, we were fascinated with the opportunity to apply these creative things we learned in the past. And it just organically continued to move. 
Moore discovered early on that being first to embrace new workflows and technology would provide his video business with a competitive advantage. What I found unique about Tampa is everyone had their own flavor. We were always the cinematic company. When DSLRs first came out, I was an early adopter of that. And I remember people saying, oh, no, that's a photography camera. What are you doing with that? That's not a professional camera. And I would go to record and they would all say cheese. And I'm like, no, 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 this is going to change the game for good. And it really did. When DSLRs first kind of broke that barrier of tape-based systems and CCD sensors, that became our style. It was really organic growth in the sense that I was doing about 40 weddings a year at one point. And so every time I would do a wedding, I would then buy gear with it. And that was my business model was do the work, buy the gear, do the work. And I look back and after a couple of years, I'm like, oh, wow, I have a couple of people full time now and a good stash of gear. And so it was just slow, steady growth. Moore was also fortunate enough to find like-minded collaborators who were willing to support his passion for creative video. When I was going to college, my roommate at the time was studying to be a doctor. His name's Jonathan, and he would help me out on the weekends, and we were a really good team together. And so when he was at the point that he was about to go to medical school, I said, hey, do you want to come over to the dark side and join me in the venture of changing lives in a different type of way? And it took a little bit of convincing. I ended up meeting him for lunch one day, and I presented him with a letter of resignation that I had forged on his behalf. And I was like, hey, do it today, man. And he ended up doing it, and that changed the business business for good because he's a very business-minded type of guy. And so we went from two guys and an editor at the time to about 10 guys in the next year. And that was all of him focusing on bringing the business. I was doing the work and building the team. And we actually had this interesting goal we wrote out. And it was we wanted to have nine people and we wanted to make a million dollars and win an Emmy. And we looked back over that period and we had got to about 15 people in the two year period. I had won an Emmy and I had made well over a million dollars over the course of time. And I have a mural now on our building today and it says dream big. And I look back now across the two organizations, we have about 65 on staff. That would be my lesson that I've learned is dream as big as you want because it's better to go after a big goal and not get it than to dream too small and get it too early. Still drawing from his first experiences with the power of media, Moore continues to approach from the perspective of eliciting an emotional response. I think with every story, you know, it's not about what it looks like or sounds like. It's all about what it feels like. And so my goal is to make the hairs on the back of people's neck stand up and applaud. And I think the way you do that is you connect to them on a deeper level than the visual. It's got to be something that is either nostalgia or truth to its core that when people experience it, they go, yeah, this is, I, I want to feel like this sustained. And if you look at the commercial world nowadays, it's more of a yell and sell type of environment of, hey, get this car, this price, you know, we got the best deals. And what I find is that brands who go in the other direction, the ones who say, hey, this is what we stand for, this is what we believe, they invite much more emotion into the experience. Asked to describe his own favorite work in commercials, Moore has some incredibly creative and deeply powerful choices to choose from. My favorite commercial we've done today is actually a social experiment for PTSD. The organization we're helping out is called ARTS, Acute Resolution Therapy. And they begin to describe to us what it's like to have PTSD. And I had no frame of reference of really what it's like to be in the mind of someone who has this. And when they described it to us, we came up with this creative concept of 
what if you were in an everyday experience and there were things around you that were happening that were unordinary and you were the only one really seeing these things. And so what we did is we set up a coffee shop and we had all of the people who were in the coffee shop as actors and the barista was the main actor. And so when real people would come in, we would have sound effects of like a bomb go off when they would do the coffee turning or a car crash would happen when the door would slam. Did you hear that? Hear what? An explosion. No. And so this person was totally out of their element. They're looking around like, hey, does anyone else hear this? And everyone's going on like nothing's happening. And after several minutes of doing this, the person would sometimes be like, hey, is any like almost to the point that they feel like they're going insane. And we would sit them down after we revealed that, hey, this is a candid camera type of video that there's 24 million people in the world that are experiencing PTSD right now. And for them, it's very real, the kind of trauma that goes on every day that no one else experiences. They might be walking down the road and hear a car crash because that event hasn't gotten out of their mind, or they might hear gunshots because of what they experience out in war. How'd that kind of make you feel? Alone? I felt like I was the outcast and nothing happened. Nobody looked around and looked at me, nothing. That video, I felt like, really achieves that effect of, okay, now I can empathize and I can understand what it feels like to be in those people's shoes. Moore's business was highly successful as a traditional commercial and media producer, and then it began to integrate elements of what would ultimately become virtual production. I had never even heard of the term virtual production two years ago. And now it's such a big part of my day to day. But what we were doing prior to that is I had a, a lot of sports accounts, the biggest one being the Atlanta Braves. And the challenge with sports is you only have access to the players for a very short period of time, but they want you to shoot the whole year's campaign in that period. And so in a sport like baseball, you have 180 games, you have to be able to get content that lasts that long and changes. So what we would do is in the player parking lot, we would put up these massive projection screens and when the players would be coming through on media day, we would record several different backgrounds and do some camera moves. And we got to the point that it looked so good, it was a great green screen replacement and we didn't have to actually use green screen. So we were doing this prior to game engine. We would simply put the video clips on there and we would match move how the clips were moving. So it was interesting to see as this evolved that we were doing some of the techniques that are now common in virtual production prior to that. And it helped us get ahead in a way because we had already come across that learning curve in the past. As with everyone else in the world, 2020 proved a year for massive changes to Moore's business and ultimately a significant evolution. In 2020, we were having a record year. February, we were at the Super Bowl in Miami, had several different brand spots that we were doing down there. And then in March, we found out a big problem with our business model is 80% of all of our work is travel. So when we couldn't travel, we couldn't work. And we had a small studio, but it was mainly for our gear and we would just store it in there. And so the psych was all dusty. We hadn't used it in years. And we thought, all right, if we're going to stay in business, we have to change the way we do business. We had purchased a small LED screen. And at that time, we were pitching to our clients. One of them was Jack Daniels. Hey, if you just ship the bottles to us, we could still do the commercials and we'll change the background live. And I remember the very first shoot we did, and this was without Game Engine. This was just putting images on the screen. The creative agency and the brand is Zoom calling in. And it went from about three people in this Zoom 
to they said, Hold, wait up, wait up, let me grab Greg and, and Cindy. And, and then before you know it, there's about 10 people. And then they keep calling their friends like, hey, Tim, do that trick again where you go from the beach to the bar to the mountains. And they were so impressed because when you shoot something that's reflective and transparent, like a whiskey bottle, it is so challenging on green screen to get those complex curves and correct in post. But to shoot it live and to get that in-camera visual effects, it's an amazing thing for people to see. So we could see right away, like, man, people are enamored by this technology. Now let's go to the next step of figuring out the game engine and connecting this. And we realized that's a big next step. The first staircase is small. Get a screen, put some videos on it. And if you understand the illusion and the optics of it, you can make it look good. But to go through game engine and to have camera tracking and motion control and these type of things, a lot of complex things you have to learn. And so we start learning the technology and that was when we realized, all right, hey, at this scale, it's already becoming very busy. Let's make a big stage. And I think it's going to come democratized to the point that it's not just large studios like ours that are going to have the tech, but that everyone's going to have the tech. So I thought, hey, if we're doing it at this scale, any kid can go and buy a large TV tomorrow and put us out of business. We need to do this at a larger scale and do cars and do big equipment. That's where we could really be successful. And so that's what spurred us to make the stage. And the stage is 100 feet long, 18 feet tall. And that's kind of our premier stage in Tampa. And to date, now our new stages are larger than that. But it was that decision that I think really changed the trajectory of our business going from what was a 15-foot screen in our small studio to really making a studio dedicated for virtual production. Moore took everything he'd learned working creatively with video and poured it into virtual production by creating one of the first major LED volumes for commercial work in the United States. We originally built a virtual production studio for Diamond View as our own personal studio, and it had become so successful, it actually outpaced that business that we split it off into two businesses. And so today, View Technologies is its own standalone company, and that's where most of my focus is on. And we've grown from Tampa to Nashville and Las Vegas as well. And one of the unique things was as we built our Tampa studio, we had the Super Bowl in Tampa that year. And so there was a lot of attention on the stage. We actually got featured on the Today Show. Some of the commercials you'll see this big game weekend were shot in this virtual world. So real, you can't believe your eyes. And we were getting calls from studios all over the world, but particularly here in North America saying, hey, can you build one for us? And so over the last year, we've built 10 virtual production studios all along the East Coast and two out on the West Coast for studios like ourselves, as well as other small businesses. So it's given us a lot of experience in this space, but it opened our mind to this idea of the network effect. Some of the places we were building these studios, they didn't have specialized operators for it. And so we were remotely giving them help. And we realized, wow, these are the type of stages you could completely control remote. And that would change the entire aspect of production in the future. And so that's something that we've now taken on as a business model. And today, that's our goal is to build the world's largest virtual production network. Spurred on by the restrictions of the pandemic, View Studios' virtual production network model leverages talent anywhere in the world, entirely unencumbered by local requirements. 
So if you think about the whole concept of production, it's a talent-based industry in which the director, the producer, the actor, all of the people involved have to be in the same location at the same time. And what the pandemic showed us is that you can do things remotely, asynchronous. You can do things differently. So what our stages are built with the capacity to do is that if you are even not at one of our stages, you could be in New York at your house. You can remotely operate the lighting system, the actual Unreal Engine, and the nodes on site, the display, the sound. All of these things can be done without having to be at the location. And that's where I really see production going in the future. That you don't necessarily need everybody in the same room to accomplish the things that we did in the past. As Moore's two companies continue to operate both as virtual production systems integrators and content producers, they can quickly iterate on new technologies and discover challenges to overcome. The biggest thing that I see is refresh. The way LED technology works is the lights actually blink constantly. They're not constant lights, and that helps with the efficiency of the bulb. But it works against camera systems because you're now having to worry about two different scans. One is the scan of the picture, and the second is the scan of the individual lines of LEDs. And so when you see people get banding, it's often because the driver I see, not because of the speed of the system. So I would say that's the biggest hurdle people have when someone is a traditional deep. And they get thrown into a virtual production stage. Is they're trying to solve the mathematics of how do I get this LED not to band or to be in the right frame sync? And that's something that if you do a little reading on it, you can see what the optimal settings are for the camera. But I've discovered that's the number one issue people have right away is they go in and they want to do something the way they've always done it, and it's a little bit different in a virtual production environment because you have to have some levels of sync to the actual screen. Another area Moore works extensively in is education, especially in creating digital assets for use within an LED volume. It's not always familiar territory for producers. If someone's been doing it for a while, I see they come in with optimized scenes and they know exactly how much time they need. But for the most part, new clients underestimate how much preparation is needed. They often have seen a commercial of someone snapping their fingers and the backgrounds change. I'm in the Amazon rainforest. Well, not really. But can you tell? And it really is a lot more levels to make that happen, and so we are still having to educate a little bit on how much time you need to prep assets in the beginning. As more and more virtual production stages and service providers appear, Moore is working hard to develop his business model and stay ahead of the curve with innovation. It's one thing to have a virtual production stage with all the capabilities that provides, but it's another thing to completely remove location altogether and be able to have a more collaborative type of production in the future. The only thing in virtual production, as it's done today in, in an ICVFX environment, that is not virtualized completely is the actor. Because that takes doing motion capture, and typically you don't want all of that motion capture stuff when you're shooting someone. So what I think is going to happen is now the model is going to flip as the game engine gets better, and we're going to completely go into the engine. That is that these stages will become more and more popular to have motion capture stages, and what you saw as traditional production companies will now become. Much more specialized to the sense that we have ten times more motion capture facilities and companies in about two to three years than we did today. You'll start to see these specialty part of the industries becoming generalized. 
It's like we would have never thought 10, 20 years ago that people could do real-time animation. That's just like unfathomable, the amount of compute. And I think that now it's like any kid on Snapchat is doing AR replacements of their face live. Snapchat introduced something it calls lenses. It uses augmented reality over your face. This technology is in the hands of people now, and I think it's going to be amazing the change we're going to see in the industry over the next 10 years. As his companies continue to master the workflows, Moore sees new opportunities arising from new technological breakthroughs. You start to get a hybrid production where you look at technologies like Move.ai, and it's optical-based, but it's they're using six or seven GoPros to virtualize people and put them in the engine. There's absolutely no need for a suit or any markers on your body at all. And that's a really interesting concept that you could go to a concert and you would see the person as they would normally perform. But then now with an array of cameras, you could also virtualize that, put it in the game engine and allow people to instantaneously experience that as well. As an inclusive producer and an innovator, Moore is happy to offer his recommendations for production companies looking to pivot into virtual production techniques. I always lean on the advice of, hey, test and see if it works for yourself. We took very small steps to get into the virtual production industry. We didn't just jump into it overnight. And I would see if your market can sustain it and you got a good opportunity to go to the next level, try it out because it's been a game changer for our business. But it's not for everybody too. I would say that there's a lot of shoots that come in that we tell them, hey, this is not a virtual production shoot. You're better off just going out to a forest and just shooting this there, you know? But there's more and more things that are becoming shoots that are good for virtual production. And I would say if you're the kind of person that is interested in seeing what's next, that this is certainly for the video production industry, this is the next thing. As someone who's made a very successful business from virtual production, Moore has plenty of advice for those looking to start new careers in the field today. A lot of the components of virtual production can be done at home. You can go on Amazon and get a $500 projector and a bed sheet, and you can practice these things on your own. You don't have to have a huge LED volume. And so the barriers to entry are much lower than people imagine. Video is a vocational skill. It's all about the, the one with the most tries wins. How many times can you get up and fail and get a little bit better tomorrow? And so don't let it scare you. This is industry is accessible and it's all about just getting up and making it happen. I really think this is so similar to how the internet was in 95. And in 95, it came out and it was the information superhighway. And everyone thought that it was libraries that were connected over the web. Imagine a world where every word ever written, every film ever shot could be viewed instantly in your home. A high capacity digital communications network. We didn't even know for three years what the hell the internet was. And here we are, we're talking so much about the metaverse and we just have to accept the reality that we don't even know what is to come, but you can see the components are here. And it's not a connected library and it's not this super highway, but it is something special. Once it develops, it's gonna be an area that the video industry is very connected into and supports and that the game world is gonna be a big part of, but I think it's so hard to define it now because we're still a little early, but it is gonna be something that we're definitely gonna be talking about for years to come and it's gonna change the way we do business forever.
been listening to the Virtual Production Podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Tim Moore, for joining us. This episode was written and hosted by me, Noah Kadner. This episode was edited and mixed by Corey Abel. The Virtual Production Podcast is a co-production of The Virtual Company and Abel Cine. We love virtual production and would also love to work with you. So please visit our websites and drop us a line if we can help. You can find us at ablecine.com and thevirtual.co. The Virtual Production Podcast is brought to you in part by Puget Systems, an integrator specializing in high-end desktop systems perfectly suited to virtual production. Please visit them at pugetsystems.com. Please also let us know if there's a subject or a guest you want us to have on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please consider giving us a five-star review, subscribing, and telling all your friends about us. Thanks again and see you next time.